I'm Josh Escobedo with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey from Weintraub Tobin. In the mid-2000s, Sophia Eggleston wrote a memoir called The Hidden Hand while she was in state prison. In that memoir, she recounted her life growing up in Detroit, running a drug operation and gang, and eventually finding redemption. Eggleston sued Fox and the producers of Empire, alleging that the Taraji P. Henson character, Cookie Lion, infringed the copyright in her biography. This was an issue of first impression in the Sixth Circuit. We will discuss this case on this next installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. After Eggleston wrote The Hidden Hand, she allegedly met with Rita Grant Miller, also the defendant, who was allegedly in the entertainment industry. Uh, it is alleged in the complaint that Miller told the plaintiff that she, Miller, pitched Lee Daniels, the creator and producer of Empire, uh, The Hidden Hand as a motion picture. The complaint further alleges that Daniels used this material, the memoir, uh, in the creation of the Cookie Lion character. The complaint, in the complaint, Eggleston lists 23 different ways that she believes Cookie Lion and herself are similar or the same. And this case has an interesting procedural twist. Eggleston had previously brought a lawsuit in 2015 in which she alleged both a right of publicity claim and a copyright claim. In ruling on the defendant's motion to dismiss, the court dismissed Eggleston's right of publicity claim, but found that her copyright infringement claim could move forward to discovery. For some reason, Eggleston then voluntarily dismissed her entire complaint and then later brought this complaint for a single count alleging copyright infringement. Josh, any idea why uh, Eggleston would do that? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I mean, there's no true benefit to it. I mean, I suppose from a strategic standpoint, she could have felt put off by the court dismissing her other cause of action. And perhaps she thought that uh, being assigned to that judge in particular was not in her best interest. Uh, aside from that, I, I can't really think of why she would have put it off. I mean, I, I suppose it could have been a financial matter and maybe she's in a better position now to litigate than she would have been. Uh, in 2015, but it's really hard to say without additional detail. And, and it's probably detail nobody will ever know. Right. I just maybe thought you might be able to provide some insight. I didn't see any benefit uh, unless she just wasn't ready to get into discovery. Um, but then why would she file a lawsuit? It kind of doesn't make any sense unless her statute of limitations for right of publicity was ticking. Um, but I guess we'll never know, as you said. So Okay, so with the complaint focus being the similarities between Eggleston and Cookie Lion, uh, the defendants, uh, meaning Fox, they attacked the copyrightability of Eggleston's depiction of herself in her memoir. The argument is that copyright protection for characters is limited to fictional characters whose depictions are entirely based on creative expression. Because The Hidden Hand is an autobiography based on real life and real facts, Eggleston cannot claim copyright protection of the factual depiction of herself in her memoir. This are, that was Fox's argument. Uh, now, this argument highlights the fact-expression dichotomy in copyright law. While bare facts cannot be copyrighted, the manner in which those facts are expressed, how they're arranged, how they're portrayed, etc., that can be protected. We saw that in 2020 in the Ninth Circuit's ruling in Corbello versus Valley, the Jersey Boys case. In that case, it was alleged that the writers of the Jersey Boys musical had access to a biography written by former band member Tommy DeVito and that the musical infringed the biography. 
On appeal, the court took a detailed look at the elements that went to the jury for its determination of substantial similarity and ultimately found that they were unprotectable facts, specifically historical elements. This court uh, discussed Cabello. Uh, since this was an issue of first impression for the Sixth Circuit, they looked at a lot of different cases. Uh, ultimately, the court found that uh, Cabello was distinguishable because in that case, the uh, alleged infringement was the use of material from a biography of the Four Seasons uh, singer Tommy DeVito to create a stage or screen depiction of that same individual. Here, the court found that uh, it, it's a little different. The plaintiff states that a new fictional character, not a screen version of herself, was created based on her personality and her life story. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe to me that's a distinction without a difference, but nonetheless, it was important to the Sixth Circuit. Um, however, the court did find guidance in a recent 11th Circuit case, uh, Vallejo versus Narcos Productions, LLC. Virginia Vallejo was a well-known Colombian journalist and media personality who authored the memoir, Loving Pablo, Hating Escobar. The book is a factual account of her romantic relationship with Pablo Escobar and a chronicle of the rise of the Medellin Colombian drug cartel. Vallejo claimed that certain scenes in the television series Narcos infringed the copyright in her book, so she sued Narcos Productions and various other entities associated with its production, and ultimately its distributor, Netflix. One of her claims was that one of the chapters in her book, Caress of a Revolver, which describes a sexual encounter between Vallejo and Pablo Escobar, in which Escobar uses a gun in foreplay with Vallejo, was infringed by a scene in season one, episode three of Narcos, a sex scene between Escobar and a character named Valeria Velez, who was based on Vallejo, involving a gun. As to that scene, the court noted that the only element copied was the fact that Escobar and Vallejo and, and Velez engaged in foreplay with a gun. The court noted that the idea of a sex scene involving a gun is not protectable and concluded that the defendants used unprotectable facts from <laughs> Vallejo's memoir and did not copy her expression of those facts. In finding this 11th Circuit case compelling, the Sixth Circuit noted that the historical recitation of individual facts that Eggleston presents in her memoir would fall on the fact side of the fact-expression dichotomy, and she can't claim copyright protection in those facts. The 11th Circuit goes on to say, however, that certain aspects of the way her story is expressed and the depiction in her writing would be protected. The court noted that a screenwriter could, this is quoted directly from the court's opinion, could not lift lines of dialogue from, quote, the hidden hand, nor structure a scene to mimic what is set forth in the biography. I find that portion of the order interesting. The court saying that the writers of Empire can't lift lines of dialogue from Eggleston's biography seems to contradict the holding of Corbella. I think I agree with you, Josh, and I think this line from the order may cause some unnecessary issues for litigants in the Sixth Circuit in the future. I think that uh, this line from the order, I think it's incorrect. Uh, we are dealing with a biography and lines of dialogue in a biography that are set forth of, as fact should be treated as fact. The fact that two characters, two real people had a discussion the recounting of what they actually said in that discussion is unprotectable fact. I think I agree with that. Yeah, um, I don't know that you can go any other way, really. Um, 
The court finally concludes that even if Empire did use some of the facts of Eggleston's life, even if they were transferred into a new fictional character, this does not violate copyright protections without a further showing that particular creative expressions concerning the depiction of Eggleston's character that were unique to her memoir were copied. It seems to me that the only distinction between the Sixth Circuit case and the Corbello case is that the Sixth Circuit case compares a real person to a fictionalized person, and the Corbello case compares a real person to a real person. Right. It, 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 that does seem to be the only distinction also drawing in the 11th Circuit case, the, narco, the Narcos case. Um, you know, does the depiction of a real person in the Jersey Boys musical uh, infringe the copyright in the memoir written by that person as opposed to both in Narcos and in um, Eggleston? Does the um, depiction of a, a, a fictionalized character that shares some attributes uh, to a real person to portrayed in that real person's memoir, does that violate a copyright in the memoir? And, uh, you know, the Sixth Circuit drew a distinction here. I don't know that it's a distinction with much of a difference, but nonetheless, there it is. It's in jurisprudence, and I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to deal with it. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this, like this distinction pops up and is argued in the future in, diff in different circuits, and if it makes a difference at all. Um, in the future. I don't know that it should have been relied on, but nonetheless, we have it. Well, it's very interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on these cases. For sure, we will. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for tuning into this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. And for additional content, visit our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks. Thanks.